Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live for the best little parenting show on the internet. I hope you guys are all doing fine, fine, fine this evening. Woo-wee, I will tell you, I have felt like I have just been going from one thing to the next, 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 to the next today. Like one of those days that if your shoestring was untied and you tripped and fall, you just missed the whole thing because it's just been needing to flow like that today. And thank goodness all has worked out well. Um, I pulled in from the grocery store just in time for the great big huge truck to pull out in front of my house to deliver 2,000 new copies of this dandy little book right here. So I am stocked and ready for those orders to come flooding through. So if you did not know, um, we do shipping and fulfillment of books right here from uh, Mikasa to Sukasa. And then we also have our books available on Amazon as well. So you can find this book right here, Brian's book, The Great Behavior Breakdown, on Amazon and also on postinstitute.com. Uh, this book right here, From Fear to Love, you can find it on Amazon, postinstitute.com. But the absolute best deal for getting this book is on our promotion site, feartolovebook.com. So if you haven't got it, is a great place to get it. And then I've been telling you guys about this this week because I finally got it laid out. Oh my God, I wrestled with it and wrestled with it and it just kept, it kept winning. It just kept winning and I just kept not getting it. And finally, I found the right help. Um, I'm just gonna tell you a funny little story. I actually hired someone to help me get it laid out properly um, like several months ago, probably six months ago or so after I gave it my best effort for about a week. Um, and the person that I hired to help me, they didn't do it right. So then I had to go back through Amazon and talk to them and get that removed or at least pushed to the side so we could do another version on it. And here's what Brian said. <laughs> he knows me so well. He's like, you don't want to hire someone else, do you? I'm like, no, actually, I don't. I don't want to go through that hassle of trying to find the right person and then feeling like I failed because I didn't pick the right person. And now that person, he was like, yeah, I know. Wrestle with it as long as you need to. And thank God, thank God, thank God, I went to Upworks and I actually found a person who did an excellent job. She was amazing. I'll use her in the future because, man, finding the good help makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, that's like a really big deal for us as parents in the world of parenting children who come from tough places. Oh, when you find good help, when you find good support, when you find um, a therapist that works well with your family, that's a good fit, or you find, um, you know, a child care worker, you know, whether it's a facility that your child goes to for daycare or child care or education whether you have somebody coming into your home to be extra set of hands for you, finding the support that you need is golden. It's so, when it happens, it's just, it just makes all the difference, doesn't it? So, if you don't find the right help the first time, take some deep breaths, wait till you're ready to try it again, and 
give it another try and hopefully you'll have good luck like I did or be blessed. I feel like it was a blessing really. So um, those are my promos for tonight. Um, we've got all of our book studies kicked off now and everybody's rolling. I had several people message today to get in on the Wednesday group and I think we've got everybody situated and so that's exciting. We will have new a new book study schedule coming out soon. Um, so those of you who missed this go around, that'll be a great opportunity. Also, I want to plug um, our new Parenting Revolution. Um, and I'm going to put a link in the comments for this because you might not realize it, but it's really actually the best deal. If you like our model and you like the way Brian teaches and you like support, the new Parenting Revolution program offers a little bit of all of it. So we have a learning platform that can be streamed to your computer or to mobile devices. It has probably, I don't know, at least 50 hours of education with Brian, predominantly webinars, uh, videos, audios, all of it. Um, then we also have a private Facebook page where parents come. They can talk about anything they want to talk about. Um, we share, we interact, we give feedback. Um, we have parents sometimes just pick up the camera in the middle of whatever's going on and they talk about what's going on and we give them feedback in the moment. And so it's a really great way to get connected support. And it also, that one, that one platform also includes our um, trauma-informed certification training, which is eight hours in itself, and it's already in, and that training alone costs $129, whereas the lifetime membership for the New Parenting Revolution is $399, so you get like half of, like just the value of having that one training in it is like worth half of the entire package, so I mean, it really is like the best deal for your money, plus I was just talking about those book studies, right? And what we do with the um, New Parenting Revolution, the lifetime members, is that when we have space in the book studies, when we don't hit the number 10 or when we feel like we can hold a little more than 10, then people who are lifetime members get invited to attend for free. So it is well worth it. We do everything that we can to really serve the people who are lifetime members of the New Parenting Revolution program. Um, including doing a monthly Zoom Q&A. And so we just really try to pour into that group. They've demonstrated um, intense interest. You know, it's a big deal to them. And so we really want to pour in and meet those needs. So that's it for my promotions. Um, to my topic tonight that I promised last night was to talk about jealousy. I had the most interesting epiphany, awareness, godly intervention about two days ago, maybe three. Um, I have denied that I am jealous, that I am a jealous person. I have tried to pretend like I am not a jealous person. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks that I, that is something I struggle with. And I actually have a very physical when I am in the space of jealousy, I have a very physical reaction that's actually from about the middle of my back to um, the top of my hips. That whole area in my back gets very tense when jealousy is alive and well in my nervous system. So I decided tonight to talk about that a little bit. Um, I'll just tell the story of that awareness. I was actually... Um, 
in my bedtime routine, one of the things that I do is I lay in bed and I do like body mapping where I just really, you know, sense my body, a lot of body awareness and notice any place that I may be feeling any tension or if I'm having any um, like um, heart palpitations or anything like that. And I use, uh, so I rub my hands a little or I might rub my feet or I might do some stretching, things like that to help relieve it along with um, just focused breathing, just, you know, closing my eyes and taking some deep breaths and just imagining that breath going straight to that specific area of my body and listening, just listening to see if there's any any messages that I need to be hearing. And one of the things that I hit on was the realization, the deep connection of some behaviors that I was acting on and the physical experience I was having and the fact that I had been denying, mentally denying, like my entire body was screaming at me about jealousy, but my consciousness, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to own it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have that feeling. I wanted to pretend like I didn't, like I was beyond that, like I'm beyond jealousy, right? And then it just hit me, it hit me, it hit me, it hit me. And the beautiful thing about it hitting me was I literally imagined almost like passing a basketball. I don't know why a basketball. Uh, passing a basketball up to God. And he just caught it, you know, just like it was, just like we were playing catch. And he laughed. I felt like this laughter, this this joyous release of um, how beautiful it will be to be able to recognize it for what it is, to make friends with it, not in the sense that I want to keep it, but in the sense that it's there, so I'm going to make friends with it, so that way when it comes back around, I don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to try to push it to the side. I don't have to try to suppress it. It can just be what it is, and because now I know it, now I know what it feels like, I know where it gets lodged in my body, then it gives me the ability to use my conscious mind, instead of it being a subconscious factor that's running things, it's something that I can have in my conscious mind, and then I can actively choose whether I want to participate in those activities that feed it or not. And either way is okay. There's no judgment on my part whether or not I decide to go down a particular rabbit hole or not. But now I have this conscious awareness of all of the activities, what the outcome will be, and you know I can make my decisions based on what I now have a very conscious awareness of. So I wanted to uh, read the definition of jealousy based on this translations and more definitions that just popped up on Google because I, I feel like sometimes it can help us. Even when they're terms that we hear a lot, sometimes reading uh, a definition can help us just have a different level of awakening. To be jealous is to feel resentment, bitterness, or hostility towards someone because they have something that you don't. I might cry. To be jealous is to feel resentment, bitterness, or hostility towards someone because they have something that you don't. So clearly as I talk about it, you can feel where grief and jealousy can go hand in hand, huh? Envy, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions 
quality or luck. Envy and jealousy are the snares of comparing your life to someone else's. Part of our mission in these first few weeks of January is to stop, to pause, to assess, to see where are we authentically? Where are we really? Where where am I really? And how am I really feeling? And so I want to remind you guys, if you haven't got these sheets already, these handouts are really helpful in this process. Um, this is Brian's four-point trauma-informed checklist. It's a great place to start. You can read through the checklist, and just by reading through the checklist, it can give you some suggestions. It can stir some suggestions for goals that you might want to set for yourself that will help you with regards to um, setting goals for the building of better relationships in your family. Uh, this little mood monitoring sheet that we've talked about where you color in the squares, where you, depending on the mood that you have of the day to help you notice if there are any trends. And then this uh, emotional guidance scale. And oh my gosh, mm, look at that. <laughs> We're talking about jealousy, right? So um, this emotional guidance scale is just, you know, it's just a scale. It's a, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's a fact. These aren't facts. It's just somebody's idea of sort of taking things from a place that's very desperate and being able to move up to a place that's hopeful and empowered and joyful. And it's a list of 22 with joy being at the top Fear, grief, depression, despair, and powerless being at the bottom. Insecurity, guilt, unworthiness next up from there. And right up from insecurity is jealousy. So in a way, what that leads me to feel like is that jealousy it can also be a piece of the grief process. That as you are processing through grief, to have feelings of envy and jealousy may be a normal part of that process. But I will tell you that when you start comparing, when you are raising children who come from tough places and you start comparing your life to other people's lives who aren't experiencing those same, who aren't, who aren't living beyond and past the trauma that they've experienced, you're not even really comparing apples to apples. You barely are comparing apples to oranges. They might be kids. They might all be children and they might all be families, but... Children who've not experienced trauma, people who've not experienced trauma early in life, um, they don't have the same, there's not the same impact at the brain stem that trauma causes. I was talking to um, a, a friend of mine who's doing some work on my house who um, used to be a uh, EMT, and he was talking about some of his own traumatic experiences and even you know, going, going through therapy and things have helped. But he said, you know, um, it wasn't that long ago he was sitting, he had stopped at the stoplight to let the sirens go around him and hearing the sirens and he's sitting there driving and just realizes that he doesn't really know how long he sat there, that the light was green and he doesn't even know how long the light was green because the sirens took him out of the moment, out of being present and took him to a different place in time in his mind-body system. 
So think about for our children, this is a person who has um, a, a very solid pre-birth and early life foundation. So trauma that occurs later in life has a different way of impacting us than trauma that occurs pre-birth and early life because when that trauma occurs pre-birth and early life, it's like our entire brain gets formed and developed around it. You know, it's like knitted around everything for the purpose of survival because according to biology and according to our brain, that's how the world really is. That's how all of the world really is. And so we have to be prepared. And so the brain during those earliest parts of life has prepared for trauma to be occurring all the time. So when when our children come out of those traumatic places, um, the effects of trauma are still there. So when you start comparing your life to other families or to other people, it can definitely spark jealousy and envy. And those things can be really detrimental to our soul. And we can deny, you know, that's the thing. The part of it that I think is most detrimental is when we suppress and we deny that we have those feelings and yet they're present and they're causing bitterness in our soul that we are not acknowledging and working through. Because to grieve is a natural experience. To grieve that this is not what I thought it was going to be like. To grieve the feeling of isolation that you may have at times. <sighs> to grieve... I mean, I've known people who've grieved, like, to grieve being able to go to birthday parties. Like, I don't know. You know, we all we all have these fantasies of what parenthood and family is going to be like. And um, even if it's not... Even if it's not because of trauma, there's a million things that can happen, you know, to um, to our babies and to us that can cause life to not to be what we thought it was going to be. And we have permission to grieve that it's not what we thought it would be. And as we go through that process of grief, we may have feelings of envy and jealousy. We need to recognize it. Just recognize it. It is what it is. And then also realize that there are certain things that you might be doing that are feeding it. And then you can make the decision actively whether or not you want to keep feeding jealousy and envy. Social media is a big one. Social media is a big, can be a big feeder of envy and jealousy, especially if you, oh, let's just say that you really wanted to be able to go take your kids to the zoo. But your kids just can't do the zoo. It's just too much for them. You know, they just get too... Maybe in a few years you'll be able to, but right now it's just too much, and you know it. You know that they're going to get overstimulated, and they're going to get stressed out, and they're getting overwhelmed, and what's supposed to be fun isn't going to be fun, and so you can't go to the zoo. And so now you feel grounded for, to go to the zoo just just like your kids can't go to the zoo. And then we can see somebody on on social media, and there they are with all their kids at the zoo, you know, there they are with all their kids at the zoo. <laughs> That's how it feels, isn't it? And then we can just feel so defeated. We can feel like it's just too much. Or we might even feel like 
You know, like maybe we're not the right people for this because if I was the right parent for this, then my kids would be doing better. But I've got to tell you, that's why last night's talk was so important because what you are doing is hard work. It's heart work. And there's nobody really talking to you about it. You know, it would be one thing if it was just you and your children sorting through this together. But not only is it you and your children try to sorting through this together, but then, you know, just because I'm being a little sarcastic and snide tonight, then you have families on Facebook taunting their glorious fun in your face. And so <laughs> they're not, you know, it's not on purpose. I'm being funny. I hope that you guys can appreciate the humor because sometimes it can feel like that. You know, when we, when we get really honest with ourselves, Sometimes our stress causes us to regress to a place that's really immature. And we kind of try to hide that immaturity. You know, we try to step up and be like this great big, I'm, you know, I don't feel jealous and I don't feel envious and we're all just fine over here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we're really not feeling very fine. It's like we feel like we have to paint this face on and being fine when we're just not really feeling very fine today because what we're doing is hard. Because what our kids have been through is hard. Because we're touching a part of, of some darkness in humanity that we may not have been fully prepared for. And it's hard. And not only do we have the, uh, the, the things that are happening on social media that may feel like they're taunting us. But then we have, you know, maybe a teacher in our world who just doesn't get it. You know, they're just kind of clueless and they're not like intentionally being that way, but they just aren't thinking. And so they just kind of come at you like, you know, if you just punished your kids harder or if you just, you know, if you just gave them consequences for not doing their homework, then they would get it done. And you just want to go like, bam, do you not know what I'm trying to do over here? I am trying to heal a broken heart, the brokenest of broken hearts. Can you give me a little grace? So, <laughs> envy, jealousy, wishing it was a little simpler. <sighs> That's real. That's real. And that happens. And sometimes when you're in that space or when you feel that coming up, one of the best things that you can do is just unplug. Unplug from it. Unplug from those things that feed those feelings. Unplug from things that make you question your self-worth, that make you question whether or not you're a good enough parent. When you question, am I a good enough parent, right behind that is the unspoken question is, are my kids good enough kids? And I'm here to tell you they are. They are good enough and so are you. And what we are doing is hard and complex. And there needs to be a whole lot of grace given. Um, I spent time today um, texting with a mom that I know very well, um, her and her family. I was blessed to get to meet them. They came to our parenting camp two summers ago. And <laughs> I'm going to tell a story because it was just, you know, it was, it's been a while. You know, my boy's grown. Um, Marley uh, has, we have medical trauma that we deal with and that feels very different than you're than dealing with the kind of trauma that your children have experienced and the behaviors that are associated with that and the kind of regression that comes with the stress and overwhelm that they experienced. So um, when we have parenting camps, usually I um, 
work with the kids. I'm with the kids, and I usually have a team that's with the kids. It's been years since we've done it. So honestly, uh, my muscle for that work had not been flexed in a while. But thank God for muscle memory because, boy, it came back quick. And so um, she has five children, and um, the there was long-standing abuse and massive neglect, like literally no parenting. The children had had no, no parenting, no bonding, no attachment. They had left, been left to fend for themselves from almost the time they were born. Um, so these children, um, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They're amazing. Um, it's a wonder that they're making it, and they're making it. And they are incredible parents. And I wish that all of the rest of the world could just go very easy, that they could just kind of live in a bubble for several years to help all of these kids just be able to feel calm and connected and have a chance to get some of those infant needs met in the now. So uh, my first day of parenting camp um, and these little ones come in at, well, actually it was the second afternoon because that morning I did take care of some things for Marley. So I step in to help relieve and, um, <laughs> These, these two little kids, I'm like trying to get them to tell me what they want to do. And they're, they're like trying to go someplace, but I can't figure out where they're trying to go. And I can't just let them run because we're in this big hotel and there's two of them and they're going like different directions and I can't keep them both safe. And then I can't really remember exactly what transpired, but I think it may have been because I was holding one of the little boy's hands and he dropped on his knees and started crawling which was perfect because then I got on my knees and I started crawling and he led me to the video games. And it didn't matter that we didn't have a dime to our name. They sat there and played, you know, how playing, playing, playing for hours. But, and I don't know, I still don't really know what it was. I'm going to guess it was just super stimulating. You know, it's a lot of kids. It's a new place. It's strange people that they were super stimulated and super activated. When we stress, we regress. And they regressed right into this place of infancy where they really couldn't tell me what they wanted. And so it was so interesting being brought back so quickly to the realization that your children have some very unique needs. And every one of them is different. And so my stories are not necessarily your stories, but hopefully they're relatable. Hopefully there's something in it that you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. And this week we've been talking about examining the position of your heart. We talked a little bit about jealousy and envy. And those are actually steps to recovering from grief, to coming out of grief that feeling of grief and hopelessness and overwhelm. And none of this is linear. That's the thing. It's like you're going to get to places where you feel like your grief has resolved. The fact that it's not as easy as you thought it was going to be. The fact that the world can be kind of harsh and not understand your child. Um, I've, I've said, and, and this sounds harsh, but it's just, you know, it's just this very straightforward language. Um, my daughter's mobile by wheelchair. People can see with their eyes that she has unique needs. You would not look at my child and say, jump up out of that chair and run across the room. And you wouldn't get mad at her because she can't do it. You wouldn't do that. 
And yet we basically can do the same thing to our children who are struggling in their emotional development to expect them to do things that they just can't do yet because their emotional development is just not there yet. It'll get there, I hope. I have great hope. I've seen it. I've seen it happen repeatedly where they are able to accomplish it. But it's like uh, Bruce Perry says, the repetition of positive environment and positive relationship over time is how we get there. So it's okay if you grieve. And it's okay if you thought you were finished grieving and then something pops up and it just brings it all back up again that this is, this you know, that we thought we were going to the Philippines for a sunny vacation and we ended up in Iceland, right? And we weren't very prepared for Iceland and yet here we are in Iceland and we're here. And we're going to figure out how to live in Iceland and we're going to figure out how to make the best of it. So that's what we're going to do because this is hard work. And we have to first examine the position of our heart. And we have to get really honest with ourselves about how we're really feeling. If we want to get below the surface of how our children are really feeling, we got to start by getting below the surface of how we're really feeling. And I want you to know it's okay. However it is that you're feeling, it's okay. It's hard work. You're a good enough parent. The world is a big enough world to find places for our children. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for tuning in and being here every night. Mimi, thank you for being here. I see lots of other people who are currently watching. There have been a lot of people who've been in and out tonight. Um, if you guys uh, didn't catch all of it, I hope you guys can come back and, and listen in. We're examining the position of our hearts so that we know right where we're really at, what, what, what we really need to um, be tender with our own selves with, the places that we need to give ourselves a little extra TLC. <sighs> give yourself what it is that you're wanting to give to your children. Give yourself understanding. Give yourself patience. Give yourself grace. Give yourself some love. Give yourself some kindness. Give yourself some forgiveness. If you can't give that to yourself, it's going to be really hard to give it to others. Those things that you know that you want to give to your babies. I hope that at some point this evening, anything that you've been stressed out about, worried about, jealous about, grieving about, that it's okay. That you just know that it's okay that you have all of it. We can carry that here and right next to it. We can carry hope. We can carry joy. We can find space even in the most difficult days to smile a little, to laugh a little. Maybe we can set it all down and just go enjoy our children. You know, if, if um, even if it means that we're enjoying them just from a, an aching place in our, in our soul, it's okay. It's okay. And it's okay to feel all of that and to love our babies. When we feel it and we understand it's because of the complexity, it's not because of anything our children have done wrong. It's not because they've intentionally made your life difficult. It's because sometimes life is just tough. And we're going to get through it. 
and you're not alone. And you are good enough. Absolutely a good enough parent. Just being in there and not giving up and making the commitment to walk life out with your babies. That's really, you know, that's really it. You know, it's, there's, no, there's no perfect recipe except the perfect recipe of saying, I'm not going to give up and I'm just going to keep loving you the best way that I can. We're just going to keep figuring it out day in and day out the best that we can. And hopefully, at least once a day, you can set everything you're worried about aside and just enjoy them and just enjoy the fact that we have one more day to be on this earth. Let the love that you have for them shine for your eyes, even if it's just for a moment. Let them feel it. Let them feel the love that you have from your heart and try to be that safe cushion for them, that soft place where they can kind of lean in and you can say, yeah, I get it. I feel you. Just lean into me, baby. I got you. And remember what Brian tells us in any given moment. We can act out of those same blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm, or we can choose love. I thank you guys so much. Um, I just, I've had a couple of people reach out, and Joni just said amen last night, really hit home. I hope that this hit home, hits home in a way that reminds you that you're doing something that not a lot of people know a lot about. So in some ways it can feel like we're just, we're in the wilderness, you know, but you're not alone. And it starts, sometimes we start pressing, like we try to press to make things happen because we do feel like we're in the wilderness. Like we feel like if we can just push our kids so that they can get in there with everybody else, you know, then we won't feel like we're out here alone in the wilderness. But the reality is that's just not where they're at. They'll get there, but it's not through pushing it's just through that walking alongside them. Those delays are real. We talk about, you know, I mentioned physical developmental disabilities. We talk about cognitive disabilities, but nobody really talks about the fact that there is emotional development at hand and that there are pieces of the puzzle that the medical world is barely even beginning to understand with regards to the, uh, the emotional regulatory system. And yet, it's like you guys are all pioneers. You know, you're pioneers in this. When you recognize your children are doing the best that they can and that we're helping develop a part of their neurology, a part of their biology that didn't get fully developed, we are literally like being pioneers in the world of nurturing parents. So that's why it starts getting tiring sometimes. So in telling you guys this and driving this home, I hope is to help you remember that what you guys are doing is incredible. What your children are doing is incredible. That you guys are, are amazing, incredible teams out there doing amazing, incredible things day in and day out. And just because they may not be measured in the way other people measure things, you know, when you have a child who's mobile by a wheelchair and they get to a place in life where you finally have a sink that they can roll up to and brush their teeth and you feel that pride and it doesn't matter that they might be 15 or 13 before you were able to have that happen in their life, 
you still feel the same pride. You just don't necessarily blast it all over social media because not everybody understands. But we understand. We understand. The milestones that you're achieving, they are just as beautiful. It doesn't matter if they come at 30. They're just as beautiful. Your child being able to accept a hug, that's just as beautiful at seven as it is at at six months. You know, it's all beautiful. And the timing, you know, the timing for our children, it may just be a little different, but it's no more precious. So, I don't know. I just love you guys. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be here tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, but thank you guys for letting me know that this message of working on the posture of our heart is helpful. So I love y'all and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.